All right, welcome in everyone. Another episode of the Final Score podcast. We are proud to be presented by PFP Players Fitness and Performance in Frederick. And my guest this week is the man who stepped in at third base for Cal Ripken Jr. as his record consecutive game streak came to an end. He also happens to be the manager of the Frederick Keys. He is Ryan Miner. How are you, Ryan? Doing very well, thank you. Uh, Cal was recently at the ballpark. Did you get a chance to say hello to him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. He was here getting, uh, you know, something to, uh, done with the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation, and he was able to come up and say hello and, and uh, come in the dugout and say hello. BJ was here as well, so it was kind of a little reunion, so to speak, of sorts. Uh, but yeah, Cal comes around every once in a while since his son Ryan is here, and uh, it's always good to see him. Do you guys ever talk about that bond you share about about uh, stepping in for him? You know, not really. I seen quite a bit uh, during spring training. I, you know, I think. Uh, you know, the, that night, the moment was all about Cal. I um, mean, I've said that before. And, you know, I'm just kind of a footnote in, uh, in, in, I guess, you know, if you want to say baseball history. But uh, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, you're always going to be forever linked. Um, and I think that's kind of a mutual thing that we kind of respect each other's uh, um, distance as far as that and not have to talk about it all the time. But, uh, you know, it was always a special thing for me to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, what was that moment like for you? I mean, here you are, you're trying to get a foothold in the, in the major leagues with the Orioles and uh, – and for the first time in 2,632 games, uh, someone else is uh, taking the field for Cal Ripken. I mean, uh, all eyes were on you, really. Yeah, they were. You know, I, the biggest thing for me that I, one of the kind of neat, weird things for me that night was nobody knew. I didn't know. No, I mean, you know, we came to the ballpark that day, had a normal, normal day of batting practice, and was able to, you know, go through your routine. And, and uh, you know, I was I was ready to sit on the bench and watch the game. It was a Sunday night game against the Yankees, the last home game, and. Uh, um, you know, about 10 minutes before the game, Ray Miller, the manager, pulled me aside and, you know, told me I was playing. You know, Cal wasn't. And uh, How did so you, you react to that? You know, I was I was kind of thinking it was kind of a prank prank because I'd been around those guys a lot in spring training and had that group of guys that liked to prank the younger guys. So, you know, I kind of looked at Ray and I just like, does Cal know? You know, jokingly said, does Cal know? You know, does he know this is going on? And and Ray thought I was serious, you know, <laughs> at the time. And he, you know, gave me that serious looks like, no, kid, you got to go play third base. And, so I didn't have time to warm up. I didn't have time to do a whole lot of stuff. I just ran out third base and did the anthem. And, and um, you know, that's when you kind of saw everybody kind of, you know, wondering what was going on when they didn't see Cal run out there. Because at the time, you know, we were weren't in a you know chance for the playoffs. So everybody was coming to the game to watch a lot of the all-stars we had on the team, and especially Cal. You know, it was the final home game of the year, and then they realized he wasn't out there. And kind of a kind of a hush went over the stadium. I guess one of the good things is you didn't have a lot of time to get nervous either. No, I didn't. I didn't. You know, if it had told me the night before, I probably – been a nervous wreck. So, you know, I've played in a lot of different games. I've been in a lot of different situations, and but no, nothing like that. You know, where you know one of the legends of baseball was able to, you know, step aside and you, you were the guy that had to go run out there and, and play third base. So uh, fortunately for me, I didn't have enough time to, to worry about that. I just ran out and played like a normal game. Do people still talk to you about that to this day? I mean, uh, do, do people still ask you about it? Pretty much every game, every day I go somewhere. Yeah, they're always saying something. You know, especially now that I'm still in baseball. You know, you go on the road, but. Uh, you know, being uh, in, still in the area locally, uh, you know, you, you you run into a lot of people that say they were at the game or you sign a lot of stuff uh, from the game, you know, a lot of ticket stubs and a lot of things like that. So it's, it's always mentioned. And, and, you know, every every time you go into a different city doing a, you know, a pregame show with a, with a, another team or an interview with another reporter, you know, that's always brought up. So it's a it's a steady conversation piece. Do you ever get tired about – do you ever get tired about answering those questions? Um, no. You know, it's you know I've said this before. It's it's you know part of baseball history, so you're going to have to talk about it a lot. Uh, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm just a footnote in that part. But you know, I was a part of it, so it's one of those things where 
you're always going to be asked about it. I'm, I'm sure 20 years from now, when, um, you know, you're doing another interview or talking to somebody, you're talking to your grandkids, it's still going to be brought up. Yep. We're sitting here in the Frederick Keys press box overlooking the field on a, on an overcast day, but this is your office. I mean, this is not your office exactly, but it, but it, but, it, but it sort of is. I mean, what, what's it like? I showed up to the ballpark the other day and, and saying, this is where I work. This is, I mean, yeah, this is, um, you know, I'm here. People don't realize what our coaching staff and our players go through, but, uh, you know, I'm, I was here yesterday at 10 o'clock. I was here today about 11 o'clock. And, you know, you, I didn't get out here till midnight last night. But, uh, you, you know, you come every day. Uh, I get to, I'm fortunate enough to work outside. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting in an office all day. Um, you know, I get to work with kids and, and be able to stay in the game of baseball. You know, that's something I've been doing for over 20-some years now. And, and um, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed to be able to be a part of it this long and, and hopefully continue to do that for a long time. And it never gets tiring, I bet, either, showing up to a place like this for work. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it's, uh, you know, I was talking about it being a man's game, and it, and it is. It is. You know, I'm just in a different role now as a, in player development. But, uh, you know, being able to come to the ballpark and uh, – and being able to work with kids, younger kids, I say kids, they're all adults, but uh, being able to work with the younger players and, and try to get those guys established and get them to the big leagues. And, you know, it's it's a it's something that I'm, I always feel good about coming and hopefully giving somebody some information about the um, – That'll help them in their career along the way. Yeah, they're they're kids compared to, to compared to me and you, I, I I suppose. So, all right, we're uh, just over a month into the season. Uh, your ball club is fourteen and sixteen. Uh, what have uh, been your overall impressions so far? You know, we've had a little bit of a up and down, up and down ride. We got after a slow start, but there's a lot of new things uh, being introduced this year. Uh, you know, with the new GM in Baltimore and the new. Uh, um, assistant GM that's handling a lot. We're doing a lot of more analytical type stuff and we're in implementing a lot of new uh, um, pitching practices, I should say. We're doing some things differently. Um, and so it's taken a little bit of time to kind of everybody get settled in and, and um, go get involved or get situated in those situations where, um, you know, guys are going to be playing in different positions. Guys are going to be um, playing different roles on the on the ball club. And then the pitching side of it, you know, we're doing a lot of stuff differently. Uh, and, it's, and we were told going in, it's going to be a little going to be a little hard for a while. Um, you know, we're we're doing um, different pitching practices as far as pitching different uh, you know fastballs and different counts and breaking balls and a lot of uh, hitters counts. So it's it's going to be one of those things where they have to develop, and it's going to be a, a long term type thing. And we might have our bumps along the way. You guys are also operating without a true closer this season. Was that an analytically driven decision, or why was that decision made? Well, we don't have setup guys. We don't have anything really. Uh, there's no roles in the bullpen. Um, it's different now with with what the what our pitching program is 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 we don't like the one inning guy. We want multiple inning guys um, coming out of the bullpen. So we, you might see a guy pitch four innings out of the bullpen. He might finish the game. Um, so they want to be able to to get their innings in. Uh, and develop their pitches. It's mainly about developing pitching as far as, um, you know, fastballs and breaking balls and change-ups and different counts and different situations. So, um, yeah, you're going to see a different guy out there every night, and it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you, you want to be the traditional guy and bring in a closer, uh, uh, but we just don't have those type of, pi of pitchers, and we don't have that type of velocity right now at this level. It, it, I mean, would you stay with the traditional approach had, do you, if you had the personnel, or is that changing across baseball where you're seeing guys that are not pegged to that one-inning uh span of work you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot more in the minor leagues um but there's some teams that are still having the traditional closer role i've seen it in, in our league but uh you know for us as an organization we're, we're just not going to do that we want guys to be able to pitch in every role um 
I know if a guy went to the big leagues from this level right now, he's not going to be a closer. He's going to be a, a long guy. You know, once you, you're first established in the, in the big leagues as a minor league guy, you go up and you're the long guy, you're, you're a guy that's going to eat innings. So they have to be able to do that role here as well. And, and that's what the, the philosophy is with the guys that came over from Houston that we're implementing now that, uh, you know, you're not going to go out there and pitch one inning. You're going to pitch two, three, four innings some nights. And, and um, you know, and that's just some of the things. I think the guys really like it because they get the opportunity. You know, there's nobody that's not going to pitch. And it's usually the first guy that gets in the game after the starters, the guy that has the most days off. So there's nobody, there's no guy that's going to not pitch for seven or eight days. So that's that's one of the things that we're trying to implement. Yeah, you mentioned the major uh, overhaul, front office overhaul the Orioles underwent in the offseason. It's an analytically uh, driven group, uh, a, a, as you say. Um, what are your impressions of the front off, the, the new front office so far, and what's it been like working with them? Uh, it's been good. Um, you know, it's different for us. We've been... You know, we were kind of behind the times a little bit. I don't want to say behind the times, but we were kind of behind the um, the evolution of what you're seeing now in baseball with the analytics, with the shiftings on the defense. If uh, anybody comes out and watches us play, you know, we're shifting all over the field. Um, we get uh, data from the front office on, on guys even in the minor leagues at the lower levels. And they, they, they put us in a situation where we think that they're going to hit the ball, and, and uh, that's what uh, – that's what we do, but uh, with the analytics, I think we—it's we, we something we needed as an organization to be able to catch up with uh, what you what you're seeing at the other teams that are really having success in the big league level, and and it's going to be all the way through the minor leagues. I mean, we're doing it all the way to the Dominican Rookie League, and and um, you know, so uh, for us, it's something new, but it's something that's easy to grasp as long as you're you're willing to um, you know to accept it and and uh, you're willing to embrace it, especially some of the older guys that's never really been through this type of thing. Yeah, your team's record is 14 and 16, but over the mm-hmm. last two weeks, the team's to be playing better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have won three in a row, five of seven. I mean, why are you guys slowly starting to turn the corner here? Um, you know, p- again, pitching. You know, we started off the year, our, our starting pitching wasn't um, going deep into games, and then our bullpen was, you know, trying to figure out, um, you know, what kind of what their role was as, and, and how, how they were going to handle the situation. But, uh, um, you know, we've been playing pretty good defense. That's been a big thing for us is being able to catch the ball. Um, but our starters have been going deep and, uh, and they've been, they've been pr- going pretty well and, and handing off to the bullpen who's been, who's been pitching pretty well as well. But consistency out of the bullpen and offensively, we, we've been able to manufacture some runs. Um, it's going to be a little tough for us until we kind of get guys settled in with, um, losing Mason McCoy and, and Zach Jarrett to, to double A. So we're going to have to have some other guys step up and, and produce for us. But, uh, you know, overall, I've been pretty happy with the way things are going the last couple of weeks. This is your uh, third season managing the Keys. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you like it here in Frederick? I do. I love it. I love the area. You know, being living in the Eastern Shore, Maryland, uh, in the off season, and being in Delmarva for all those years, um, but uh, coming here was is really really fun. I, I really like the area. I'm big into you know history. There's a lot of history around, and and the food and, and and all that stuff. So it's a little bit different atmosphere for me from being on the Eastern Shore in here. But uh, you know, the fans are great, and the front office is great, and, and everything's been it's been really good for me and my family since I've been here. Except the beach is not 20 minutes away here, though. Yeah, but I'm not a beach guy. You're not. <laughs> no, I, I, you know I. I'm so geared and coming here every day because my summers are always taken up by, by, by That's baseball. That's right. You, so. you, you grew up playing baseball, not not going to the beach. No. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, so the only beach we had was down by the pond, you know, occasionally at Grand Lake or something. But, uh, um, you know, just I'm not a big beach. I, I like going out, with, you know, occasionally and sitting on the beach in the evening or, or whatever if we have time. But, uh, um, you know, I'd rather spend my days here at the ballpark or, or doing something else than going to the beach. I know my wife's a big beach beach person but uh does she I, does she resent you for it that you don't like the beach oh no she i go okay I go. you go you go, yeah you have, you have those like you have those evening you have those evening strolls on the beach <laughs> yeah uh, well, uh, like you say well yeah, those are those are better on, on the on the off days yes. i guess so 
Uh, you grew up, but you were born in Canton, Ohio. How, how, how'd you wind up in Oklahoma? You know, I was, my parents were from that area. Um, but whenever I was about one year old, my dad uh, played football at a small school in Oklahoma, and he ended up going back to school after we were, my brother and I were born. We were twins. Um, about a year later, he went back to finish up his master's, and and uh, once we he, he finished that, we ended up uh, staying in Oklahoma, and that's where I grew up. So that's how I ended up there, but still have some family back in Ohio. Who was the better athlete, you or your brother? Because your brother played pro ball, too. He did. He played a long time in the, Mar- in the minor leagues and the big leagues with the, with the Giants. But uh, I think athletically I was because I played both ba- ba- uh, basketball and baseball in college. And, uh, but he was, he was a really good baseball player, uh, even though he played ba- basketball in high school. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think athletically gifted, you know, I was a little bit. But, uh, you know, we're still close. And we still talk about it. Were you guys at each other's throats growing up because you were so competitive? Or? We were. We were some some bad ba- hard basketball games in the backyard, yeah. And then, uh, um, but it, all it did is it made us better. You know, we're still we were really close. Uh, competition made us better, and and uh, you know we still talk every day. So it's uh, it's one of those things where I don't know if it's like that twin bond, but uh, you know I'm still close with him, and, and there was some competitive stuff going on. But it was all to make us better. Yeah. Why'd you choose uh, baseball instead of basketball? Because I remember you as a high level basketball player at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, I ended up getting drafted by the Sixers, going to camp with them. But prior to that, um, I ended up getting drafted by the Orioles. I didn't play basketball or baseball my senior year um, in college because I was doing all the NBA pre-draft stuff. And the Orioles took a chance on me, and they drafted me late. They had to draft me out of high school, but I didn't sign. And uh, and I ended up going to Bluefield uh, for like a month and a half after not playing baseball for a while. And, and um, you know, I really enjoyed my time there that first year. Uh, Bobby Dixon was my manager. who was a former third-base coach for the Orioles. And... And uh, I was there for about a month and a half, won the championship. And I, and I was just like, man, that, you know, I really like that experience. And I ended up going to, camp, uh, to NBA Summer League with the Sixers and then uh, going to camp um, with the Sixers. And, and at that point, it was just one of those things where the Orioles offered me another contract to, to stop playing basketball. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where I did. You know, I ended up uh, just um, um, wanting to fulfill one sport at a time. And I, I thought at the time it was going to be tough uh, to do two. Um, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed Enjoy my time playing basketball because the Warriors ended up letting me play in the CBA in, in Oklahoma City at the time, uh, just until big league camp started, just because I was a local product and, and it was kind of a PR thing. But uh, once I started playing baseball, it was, it was one of those things where I enjoyed it. And I'm, I don't regret changing anything. I was going to say that you feel you made the right decision. Yeah, I mean, I never, you never know because I didn't stick with basketball long enough. Um, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed being able to play baseball. Uh, I didn't play a whole lot of baseball growing up. In, in, and when I got to college, because I was always doing basketball, so it was one, it was my time to be able to to go full steam ahead, I guess, so to speak, and 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 play baseball. But I, you know, I have no regrets in it. Uh, before we let you go, because I know your time is uh, is short here, I did want to ask you about a couple of your your uh, guys this season. We'll start with DL Hall, first round pick in 2017. Tell us about DL. Yeah, DL's starting to turn a corner a little bit. Start off a little slow. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's got. I mean, some of he probably the best stuff we have on our staff. As far as uh, his pitching, um, but uh, left-hander too. Yeah. Left-hander uh, throws hard. He's got a really good breaking ball. I mean, if you look at some of the analytical stuff uh, that they do with his, uh, when they look at his breaking ball and his and his fastball, I mean, it's it's really above big league average. So he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, being so young, this experience is going to be good for him facing older guys. Um, you know, he's facing some 25, 26 year old guys in this league that are that have been around for a while, so they're not really uh, surprised by anything he's going to do. So he's learning how to pitch, and he's going to he's going to do that at this level, and, and uh, he's going to have success, and he's going to have some bumps in the roads. But um, he's uh, he's a guy with a high ceiling. We look we got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that he's going to do to get the get, to get better for him this year, and, and hopefully get promoted at some point. If not, spend the whole year here and, and get ready to go next year. 
Uh, Cody Sedlock, first round pick in 2016, also seems to be finding his groove a little bit. Yeah, Cody is. I'm really happy for Cody. I mean, I think all the stuff that all the changes we've done in the pitching programs with the analytical stuff and the new and the new we got high speed cameras and stuff that are able to tinker with your grip and all that stuff has really been beneficial for him. You know, he's really struggled the last couple of years uh, trying to just I think just to find what type of pitcher he is. I think everybody thought he was going to come in and be the the high velocity guy that's going to blow guys away and and and. And you know, not have to worry about any of his secondary stuff. And, and uh, but for him this year, I think being able to use all of his pitches for strikes and, and go out there and compete and do what he's done, I'm really happy for him because he's put in a lot of work to get to where he is. Uh, Brennan Hanafy, a fourth round pick, 2016, number 11 prospect in the organization. Yeah, Brennan. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that has a really good above average sinker, uh, you, which you don't see a whole lot anymore in Major League Baseball because everybody's going with the four seam in the hard slider. So he's developing some secondary stuff uh, at this level that, uh, um, you know, he, he got away with last year by just throwing primarily fastball. So, uh, you know, he's, he's another guy that's doing some pitch development, and uh, he's got a really high ceiling. He's really confident and mature for his age, and, and his stuff is going to play at the upper levels. And once he develops his secondary stuff, he's going to be really good. Another pitcher that was uh, with you last year, back with you this season, is, is, is Mike Bauman. Mike's done a really good job. I think last year he kind of hit a wall when he got to us the second half, uh, you know, towards the end there. But, uh, you know, Mike's a big physically gifted guy that's going to give you, you know, he, he, he tends to give us length in, in, when he goes out to pitch every night. And uh, But his, he's really done a really good job of his secondary stuff being developed. And, and uh, you know, you got to credit uh, Chris Holt and Justin Lord and Adam Bolladay, our, our, our pitching guys here for, for all these guys, but especially Mike to be able to develop um, – you know, and tinker with his delivery and get him to where he he's able to pitch down the zone. And you've seen a, a spike in his velocity and his breaking balls this year have been really good. So really happy where we're at with him. You know, we've got a long way to go with all these guys, of course. But, uh, um, you know, what they've done so far up to this point, we're really happy with. And lastly, a guy that's no longer with you, but the point of what you do here and the point of what this team is about is moving guys up the ladder. Uh, Mason McCoy had a great first month for you, and he's now in Double A Bowie. Yeah, he was a table setter for us. I mean, um, early in the year uh, when we talked to some of the coordinators and where they wanted to hit guys in the lineup and stuff like that, and he, you know, based on what he did last year, they kind of had him in the middle of the lineup. But uh, after talking with our hitting coach and stuff like that, and you know, we kind of wanted to put him at a higher level, put him in the in the leadoff spot. And man, he took off. I, I tell you what, he's a competitive kid. Uh, you know, he played a good shortstop, but, um, you know, this is kind of what we expected out of him last year, and he didn't quite get to where in his first full season where he wanted to be. But I think after what he experienced last year getting to this point uh, this year, he knew what to expect coming in. And being a little bit older kid, I think being able to get him to double-A is a big thing for the organization as well. You know, I mean, he's a guy, he's a sleeper prospect that you might you might see playing uh, shortstop at the big league level at some point this year. Yeah, I mean, wasn't a super high pick. He's an older guy, like you say. He right. doesn't have the greatest measurables. He's not the prototypical player, so he's sort of got that great – underdog quality about him he does he? and you know the first person you think of is mike bordick and you know bj Suroff and i talk about that all the time and uh with a guy like mike he was the same way he was just a guy that had to grind his way through the minor leagues and once he got a chance at the big leagues um you know he just was able to in, uh, grasp it embrace it and, and and take it from there but uh, you know you see a little bit of that in, in mason and you know, you're pulling for a guy like that. You know, the guy that wasn't a high round draft pick that's had to work his way to where he is now. And and uh, if he continues to do what he's doing with his approach and his game plan, and his and his um, and his uh, all the stuff that he did here to get him to that point, um, he's going to have a chance to play in the big leagues this year. And I hope he does. Ryan, it's always great talking to you. Appreciate, Appreciate you it. carving out a few minutes of your time Appreciate today. Appreciate so. Thank you very much. All right, that's Keys Manager uh, Ryan Miner. And when we come back here on the final score, we'll talk to our friend Jeff Arnold, uh, the team's. A director of uh, Media Relations and PR. We'll be back in a second here on the Final Score Podcast. Why do I train? 
Why do I train? I train to jump higher. I train because I have something to prove. Be faster. And because speed, strength, and being better overall on and off the field is my mission. Nothing to me is impossible. I'm Andrew Simpson from Players Fitness and Performance in Frederick, Maryland. We have found that most middle and high school athletes do not have complete confidence, which is holding them back from being their best on and off the field. As official partners with FCPS, our why is to inspire athletes like yours to believe in themselves and perform more confidently and consistently in sports and in life. That's our why. What's your why? For more information, check out our website at www.playersfitnessandperformance.com. We are back here on the Final Score Podcast and uh, joined by our friend uh, Jeff Arnold of the Frederick Keys. And uh, Jeff, we just had Ryan on, and I think you and I uh, both think highly of him. You've worked with him for uh, three years now. What what do you enjoy uh, about working with Ryan? I think the thing I enjoy the most about Ryan is that he's a really easygoing person, and he's pretty much up for whatever you need. I mean, I can ask him a question, and and obviously you want to – try and be respectful of everybody's time but whenever I've had a question Ryan's always been very helpful I mean I've learned a lot about the game from him and I've kind of been able to take some stuff that that I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to understand a little bit better and Ryan is able to fill in the blanks pretty effectively but I think the biggest thing is he's just a nice guy and he's really easy to work with yeah I mean and he's a he's the guy that will go down in major league history as the guy that (laughs) stepped in for Cal Ripken so he's kind of got a cool footnote too it it is it's it's really unique and i think it's kind of cool for him that he has ryan ripkin who is Cal's son on the team now for the keys and cal was just here of course he was for uh the other night but i think that for for ryan he's been asked about it so many times that maybe the luster has worn off a little bit but i think that whenever you're a part of history in some way shape or form is and probably as long as it's good history um it's pretty neat to be a part of and and ryan definitely had some some years with the orioles where he was there and um, being able to make the major leagues and his story overall is really unique because he played major league baseball he had a chance to play in the NBA and he was in a a camp with the Sixers and had a great career in the Big Eight with Oklahoma both on the baseball and the basketball side and not many people can say they've accomplished some of the things I mean most people can't say that they have accomplished what Ryan has accomplished but let alone what he was able to do in two different sports uh, makes him a, a pretty impressive guy. Yeah, I mean, here we are a little more than a month into the season. The team is uh, 14 and 16 overall as we uh, record this. Um, we asked Ryan about his impressions sort of through the first month. What have your impressions been of this group for, through the first month? I think that this is a team that's starting to find its way a bit. At the very beginning of the year, we struggled to throw strikes, and that was something that came back to hurt us, especially because we faced some really good teams at the beginning of the year. We saw Winston-Salem, who has some hitters, and we also saw Fayetteville, who has a lot of hitters and also a lot of really good pitchers, too. But now I think we're in a point where our starters are getting deeper into games. They're putting more quality innings together. They're throwing strikes. They're using their secondary pitches really effectively. And then offensively, we've been scoring enough runs to win, and we've had some big innings mixed in there, too. And There's just been a lot of positives, I think, as we've gotten out of April and and you go back to the very end of the Winston-Salem series, or even really the very beginning of the Winston-Salem series. Um, Ever since we got done with that set against Fayetteville where there were some problems, we have been been doing really well, and it started with the pitching. I mean, that's so vital to the team's success because a lot of the team's top prospects are pitchers. (laughs) It is, and the 
My favorite story so far has been Cody Sedlock because this was somebody that missed most of last season. When people ask, like, what year is it in Frederick for him? I mean, technically the answer is three, but to me it's really almost two because he was barely here last year. He got injured in April, and then he missed four months, and he joined us at the very end of the season, and one of the starts that he had when he came back was shortened, was only one inning because rains came and, and he wasn't able to come back in, but... For me, Sedlock, he's thrown his breaking ball for strikes. His delivery looks cleaner. He's getting ahead of guys, and he's been the most consistent starter that we've had. I mean, every outing that he has has been a good one for the Keys. And then you, you look at some of the, the other guys on the team who are, who are going to only get better as the year has gone along. I know the numbers for D.L. Hall haven't quite been what everyone has hoped for, but the stuff has been. And for Brennan Hanafy as well, last two outings, I, I think what I've been impressed with him – is that he's been able to battle. I mean, it's one thing to to pitch well when you have your best stuff and you're not working with anybody on base. It's another thing when you have to pitch around traffic, when you have to deal in a day where you don't have your best stuff, and, and when maybe there's some other things at play that, that are out of your control, and he's dealt with that very well his last couple times out. And there's a lot of encouraging things about this team, but I think the starting pitching and the progress that they have made is, is number one. Yeah, when you look at this team, you don't see a lot of top prospects in the field. Uh, but one guy that was just uh, called up in the last week uh, was Mason McCoy. And here's the classic. I, I, it's hard to call it an underdog story because he was a six-round pick, but but he doesn't have the greatest measurables in the world. Um, like, like He wasn't the highest draft pick in the world. Um, he, he's an older player. Um, but here he had a monster first month of the season. What, what, what do you appreciate about Mason and his story? I appreciate Mason's overall approach to the game and how he would study his swing he would take swings that he knew were really good and he would go back and look and figure out why they were so good he's definitely an analytical type person he knows his stats he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are and he has a definite academic approach to when he is at the plate and because he's able to do that and incorporate his skills at bat and having a good swing and it all came into play in the first month of the season where he's driving balls hard, he's sticking to the opposite field, he's very clutch, and that's something that you can't teach. It, it just comes down, I think, preparation in many ways with Mason. And it showed, and he put up great numbers, and then defensively, too, he played really well. He's playing between second and shortstop, and this year I think it's a bit more challenging for, for the defense at the start of the year where, where you're in shifts and you're in positions in the field you're not used to before and you're taking relay throws from different spots and you're trying to turn the double play maybe in a little bit different fashion than you had before but his ability too to cut off runs and make the routine plays and the difficult plays was what separated him too this is a team that plays a lot of uh long games it plays a lot of high scoring games so the the league in general has played a lot of long games in the first first month of the season yeah so from a broadcasting perspective what's it been like through this first month i think it's been about as it as it typically is and when i've done this for i don't want to say like the the length that someone in the you know like jim hunter has done it but i've definitely been around the game for a while and i've called a lot of baseball not only at the carolina league level but you know a double a baseball too doing some games with the bay Sox, and then being in frisco with the rough riders and every season has its own rhythm and feel and flow and 
there have been, I think, some some games, especially at the very beginning, where it moved really slow and it was where you didn't see a lot of strikes, and those can be pretty tough to call sometimes and where they don't have any rhythm. But we've gotten away from that recently, and we've seen some much better baseball, some much better pitching. We've seen some good situational hitting. And when you can see players come through in spots where um, maybe in the past they haven't been able to or when you can see performances out of players who have maybe – not been as appreciated as they should have been and they start to to put it together that's that is really fun to call and I'd say this year it's been it's been good and I think it's only gotten better as the year has gone along I have a new broadcast partner and so that is definitely something that adds a different element to to game calling and yeah how are they, things going with Jack Keffer so Jack far? has been good Jack is a little bit different than doing a game with Kyle and that's not that's not meant in a good way or a bad way that's just it's it's different and every partner that you have is different like when I worked with Kyle it took a little bit of time to get used to him and figure out what his rhythm and flow is after I worked with Doug Raftery for three years and I go from Kyle to Jack and Jack's style is is a little bit different Um, he's more I'd say of an outwardly funny person as opposed to Kyle who had more of a dry sense of humor and so I think at the very week first week or two of the season Jack was figuring out okay this is when I'm going to talk this is when Jeff's going to talk this is when we're going to let some silence go in and it took a little bit of time for him to figure out my rhythm too but as I figured out his rhythm and he's kind of gotten into understanding as the way I like to do a game then I think we've been able to mesh good and we've had a lot of fun in the booth the first month of the year has it felt like some of these games are really dragging the first week, especially, yes, it was it dragged a lot, and it was it was a bit tough, and and then you take some weather that wasn't so great, and I think that made it go a little longer. I mean, we played two doubleheaders at the very beginning of the year that just felt like they never were going to end, and doubleheaders in general can be can be really long, but now we're we're in a much better flow. I mean, last night's game was played in two hours and forty minutes. That's probably an average time of game for this level. I mean, that's what it should be. You shouldn't have a strike zone that's making that impossible to happen and you generally should be having that as your your typical time of game but now I think we've we've gotten into the point where it's it's starting to feel like baseball a little bit after the the first uh first week or two of the season was a little bit more challenging we talked with Ryan about the new analytical front office uh, the, the Orioles uh, have in place have you noticed any sort of subtle changes on the field uh, that sort of points to that analytically driven mindset I would say number one that's the most noticeable if you're coming to a keys game is all the shifting and the keys shift a lot and remember that you have people coming over from the Astros organization and they shift more than anybody and you're seeing three men on the left side of the infield when that's not something you saw before last year in the second half of the year you, we would put three men on the right side of the infield but uh, very infrequently we would put three on the left side but now all the players know what we're going to shift this way against this person, and then we're going to play the outfield the other way when you're going into an overshift. And sometimes you're you're adjusting slightly, and you're you're not making quite as many changes. But the biggest area has been the shifting, and the shifting has worked. I mean, I, I think it also serves a, another purpose, which is that it forces pitchers to hit their spots more effectively because if you can't hit your spots and you're in an overshift, then it's useless. But I think that's the other part of it that comes into play that is good for for our pitchers is it makes them have to locate their stuff better because if they do that they make their pitch and it goes into that shift you're probably going to get an out every once in a while there's one instance last night where you'll put the ball where you need to to put it and the hitter will just hit it the other way and, and make a good swing there's nothing you can do when that happens but you play the odds and 
understand that part of it. The other part of it that I've seen is that there have been a lot more secondary pitches thrown. But if you evaluate how it's worked at the major league level, you're seeing a lot more secondaries and pitchers being asked to throw more breaking balls and change-ups and splitters and some of the other different pitches. But by asking them to do it at this level, you're better preparing them for the big leagues. And you're seeing more of a top-down approach that the Orioles are taking. That way, when these players hopefully get an opportunity to go to the Orioles, everything that they're doing there, besides the fact they're going to be playing better competition, it's going to be the same mindset and approach and operating style versus going from the minor leagues where you might be doing something completely different and you add to that learning curve. Anything I think you can do that takes that away and cuts down on it is only beneficial for the players on the field. With, with the bullpen, there's no true defined closer. There's no true defined setup man. Is this part of a new wave of thinking for baseball, or is this just because the Keys don't necessarily have those guys on this present roster? Generally, you see more of a – in the past, there have been kind of defined rules, but, but not really. It, it's been more of – at this level, everybody is developing, and you're trying to see who is – maybe best suited for a for a late inning role down the road but i it's important to have pitchers working out of different roles because when they go to the big leagues you never know what they're going to do and you see that all the time where someone comes in as a starting pitcher and then they decide to move into the bullpen when they're big leagues and they might have them pitch the the sixth inning or the seventh inning or whatever and when they came up as a starting pitcher but it's good i think to expose everybody to different roles that maybe they haven't done before or things that they aren't as accustomed to especially if they're pitching in relief because you never know maybe you're going to need to be a long man in the big leagues maybe you're going to need to be an eighth inning guy maybe you're going to be more of a a lefty specialist or or fulfill a role such as that and by having all these guys do everything it prepares them for whatever they're going to see at the next level i mean classic example is our man uh, brandon klein uh, uh frederick native uh Starting pitcher in high school, starting pitcher for a good bit of his career in college, although he did come out of the bullpen at, at Virginia. Uh, starting pitcher for the Frederick Keys uh, here uh, uh, for a while, but now he's a major league uh, uh, reliever. So, so, so just what you talked about there, uh, just that that transition. You don't know where a guy is going to fit uh, on the major league level. Uh, in a little more than a month, the uh, Carolina League All-Star Game will be played on this very field uh, here at Harry Grove Stadium, Nemeo Field at Harry Grove Stadium. How are the preparations coming along? Preparations are in a good spot right now. I think we got on top of everything really quickly, and as we get ready to approach a month before the Carolina League All-Star Classic presented by Visit Frederick, we're excited about what we have done. There's definitely some details that need to be ironed out, but in terms of the big things, in terms of the schedule for events, which actually is going to be released pretty shortly that'll entail when everything is going to happen and take place, we're feeling really good about where we are. We put a lot of work in in the offseason and going back to last season as well. I mean, we had our presenting sponsor uh, visit Frederick for this event really, really early, and that makes your life so much easier when you're trying to host an event of this magnitude. Ticket sales, from what I understand, have been really good and are only going to improve as we get closer and closer to the game. And we couldn't be more excited to, to have our first game since 2005 and you know, that year, Nick Markakis won both the Carolina League uh, MVP for the All-Star Game, and then he also won the, the Home Run Derby, and, and maybe we'll have a, a Keys player this year who makes the game, wins the hitting challenge, and, and maybe he's the MVP of the game. That'd be kind of cool. Well, you get a chance to broadcast that game? 
I will. We'll have the game on frederickkeys.com and the TuneIn app as well. And there might be one other place where it is airing at this point. I'm not sure about that just yet. But we're super excited to be getting a chance to call a game. I know Jack is really excited about it as well. And um, maybe we'll have some dignitaries and some different people that will be with us and able to to watch the game and listen to the game and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to it's going to be just as much fun as I've I've heard it does from other broadcasters that have been able to do the Carolina League All-Star game and and I'm super excited for for what's in store for it. And how do people in general find your broadcast? The broadcast for us can be found on frederickkeys.com and the TuneIn Radio app and they we do every single game and sometimes it's me and Jack so all the home games that's the way it works. Uh, except for this Thursday, when you're actually going to be back yeah, with me. Who, Jack is on assignment again, so you'll be back with who's me on this, the broadcast. Who's this, weirdo from the Frederick <laughs> News, who's this weirdo from the Frederick News post you're having on these uh, Those are your broadcasts. words, not mine. But I'm excited to have you again, and we had a lot of fun doing the Keys Blue Rocks game last Thursday. What, what happens, for those who don't know, is that at times when uh, we have morning games and it's before we have interns that come in and they, they graduate or they, they finish school. We're a little bit short stabbed. And at times it means that Jack is uh, temporarily taken from me for, for a game or two. And that gives me an opportunity to bring in somebody like you to, to come and do some games because you've seen the keys and covered them for a while. And it's, and it's definitely a, a fun, I think change up for, for me and I love working with Jack, but at the same time, it's cool to have some different voices on our broadcast and, but if you want to listen to us, uh, me and Jack uh, do every home game together. And then on the road, a lot of times it's me. There are times where it's just going to be Jack. There have been some times this year where it's been me and Jack. And we'll have a nice mix uh, this year. When we go to Wilmington, for instance, it'll be me and him for part of it. And then it'll just be Jack. And then Potomac, it'll just be Jack on that one. And then I think in June we go to Carolina and down east. And I'm on that trip. And But... Uh, for the most part, uh, we'll have either it's it's either him or me or one of us on the road, and you can catch all our broadcasts frederickkeys.com, the TuneIn Radio app. We go on air 15 minutes before the game, and then the post game show is 15 minutes afterwards, where we recap the game, check the Carolina League scoreboard, uh, talk about the Orioles game that night, and it's a lot of fun. And I think everybody should tune in. And you can and and the broadcast is pretty closely synced, I think, to the actual game action. So. Bring your smartphone or Android or app or whatever, and come on out and listen to listen to the game. If you're at the game too, yeah, you are the true broadcast professional, my friend. I when I'm on, I'm just trying not to say something really stupid. So you're very kind. I appreciate yeah. you saying that. Uh, Jeff Arnold, the uh, director of uh, broadcasting and public relations for the Frederick Keys. Uh, thank you for coming on, sir. Thank you for uh, setting up the interview with Ryan too. He was great. Um, my thanks to Ryan. So always a pleasure. So. We'll uh, talk to you on Thursday. Bring your A game. Uh, I will. I will try to bring my fastball uh, <laughs> uh, for, for for Thursday's game. All right. My thanks to Graham Cullen as well uh, for producing this podcast and to our fine sponsor PFP Players Fitness and Performance in Frederick. I'm Greg Swatek, and we'll see you back here next week on the Final Score Podcast. Yeah.